Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. It's currently looking like a uh, pretty nice day here. Um, We're going to be a little cold. And I want to tell you right now, you're going to freeze. I'm sorry. It's it's not even worth trying to say, well, it's not going to freeze here. It's not going to freeze there. Prepare for it. You are going to freeze here soon. Early Monday morning, we stand a very good chance of being at 32 or less in some areas of central Texas. That includes Austin. There is absolutely no harm protecting from a freeze if it doesn't freeze. But if you gamble and say, I'm gonna gamble that it's not going to, and it does, there is no going back. There is no saving a plant that froze. So prepare yourself for the worst. It doesn't take an incredible amount of effort to get things ready. Now, I still have tomatoes. Yeah, on the vine. I can't really decide if, in fact, they're still producing new tomatoes. I don't believe they are. But the tomatoes that are out there are slowly trying to ripen for me. So am I going to cover up? Because I will be in a freeze area. Nope. To me, this is going to be the natural end. The natural end to my tomatoes for this year. I'm going to let them freeze because I don't care. But today I'm going to go out and I'm going to pick as many of those tomatoes as I can. The ones that look decent. They have been ripening up in my home. I pick them. They're pretty green. And slowly they'll turn red. And they've been just fine. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Got to take a quick break. Be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Sorry about that. I had a big power failure and couldn't get the power back. So here we go. Hopefully that won't happen again. I've got a text here. (coughs) Excuse me. And it's one I hate to try to answer. How do you get rid of nutgrass? Um, There's only one true way to get rid of it, and that's to pull it up. Now, I don't mean to pull on those green leaves 
and having them go pop and you pull out this little green stem. No, 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 no. You need to dig up the nutgrass. You need to get down there where the roots are and pull up the nut itself. That's how you absolutely get rid of nutgrass. Now, if you have a flower bed with no grass, pathways with no grass, things like that, that's not too bad to do, to actually lift the nut out and get rid of it. If it's in the middle of your turf, deal with it. You're not going to be able to dig up every little nut in a thick Bermuda or St. Augustine lawn. It's green. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want a green turf? There isn't an easy cure, and part of it is because of that nut. Nutgrass is actually a sedge, not one that we want. Here's the problem. That little nut's got a ton of energy in it. And you pull those green leaves off, that doesn't bother the plant. That nut will go, okay, new one's coming up, here we go. Um, trying to poison it. You want to spray it with something that kills the roots. That's not very successful in most cases. And if it's in the middle of the lawn, you're going to kill your grasses around it. So you kind of have to just learn to deal with it. You also have to be prepared, say this carefully, for the fact that it will reseed. You must stay ahead of it. A single nutgrass can produce about 30 to 50 seeds. And they uh, will propagate real easily. So it's remove it, dig it up. That nut isn't real deep, probably four inches maybe, but if you can get a trowel alongside it and lift it up a little bit, break it free of that soil, you should be able to pull it out. There is no chemical solution, sorry, organic or otherwise. What you can do though, with the uh, organic versions is you'll burn off the top of the plant. Now that's not going to bother that nut that's down there. But it's the easiest way to try to keep control of it. You will keep your pathways looking good. You won't have the... Uh, Nutgrass coming up, you won't see it in your flower gardens, but you must be aggressive and attack it frequently. And I mean, once a week, have a squirt bottle of that stuff, go out there and look and see, do you see any nutgrass? Nutgrass is a friend of water. 
You will see in places that get a lot of water will tend to have a, a vigorous nutgrass population. <clears throat> so look for that. Keep, keep things dry if possible. Lift the grass completely up. You've got to get the nut that's down there to remove the nutgrass. And always, always, if you have nutgrass someplace, look for it. It'll make this little starburst type seed head. Imagine a white dandelion puff, you know, where you blow on it and all the seeds float off. Not quite as many seeds as the dandelion, but the same idea on how it grows. It will have this stalk that comes up with a bunch of little um, seeds on it. Do not let it get to that point. Do not let it get to that point. Stay ahead of it. But if it's in a place where it's gonna stand out and you know everybody's gonna notice you got something green growing where there shouldn't be anything growing, you may have to attack it. You may have to get out there and dig it. If it's in the middle of your lawn, grit your teeth and deal with it. It will be green. That's what we're looking for, right, in our turf? It will be green. The world won't end because you got a little nutgrass in your St. Augustine or Bermuda or Zoysia not worth the effort to try to get out of there with so many other ones. Now, we can always hope for better. Knowing what it likes, a, a relatively wet environment, and knowing how it grows, it forms that nut. If I remove the nut, I get rid of the, of the nutgrass. If I constantly keep an eye on it and use the horticultural vinegars, the other types of organic uh, sprays, that will destroy the leaves. And over a long period of time, yes, congratulations, you'll be able to starve out the nut that's down there because no sunshine, the leaves can't produce food and it will die, but it will take a lot of dedicated effort. You really have to go out there at least once every couple weeks to be able to spray it and kill it. Maybe more frequently. It is an annoying plant, no doubt about it. It doesn't do a lot, but you can control it. So try to do that. And like I said, if it's in your lawn, who cares? It's green, just like your grass. Don't make such a big deal about it. It'll be fine. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, Got to take a quick break. 
for the news. Be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Let's go to the phone. This is James. James, what can I help you with? Morning, Jeff. Um, I grow my jalapeno peppers in a uh, shade house. Uh, that's about 12 by 60, I guess, 30% shade. And uh, I transplant a crop uh, in the spring, and then I over-summer that crop, try to keep it alive until we get a, a smaller second harvest this time of the year. Um, I think I'd be better off just uh, pulling those uh, spring plants once they finish and uh, going in with uh, transplants uh, later in the year. I was wondering what you thought about that. You know, I noticed that in my peppers. I get a I get a crop in the spring, and I'm grateful for it. They're usually quite good. But summers, especially this last summer, all I really did was spend time watering it to try to keep it alive. I didn't get any peppers. And this fall, I've got some really gorgeous peppers on my plants. My problem is, is they're not turning red, and they're supposed to, but they're beautiful peppers. They're still edible. So that may not be a bad idea, James. Why contribute resources to the plants in the middle of the summer if they're really not doing anything for you? And if you can get transplants that'll be healthier, um, they won't have the root mass that your over-summer peppers will have, but they grow quickly enough. So that may not be the worst of ideas. You you may want to consider doing like maybe half the crop and, you know, keep half of it through the summer and try to get them in the fall. And the other half of them, pull them and try putting in transplants and you may have to do a little math yourself to see which one gives you the best results. But that's we do that with other plants. I mean, people will plant tomatoes and then summer comes and they'll yank them out and plant new tomatoes later in the year to get uh, a selection for fall. So that may work with your peppers also. What's your best guess? On uh, seeding, uh, seeding the fall crop, uh, the date for that. Um, let's see. You know, with the soil warmed up, those pepper seeds should germinate fairly quickly. Um, and if they're under shade cloth, that helps prevent them from getting blasted and burned out by the sun. So you may be able to get away with an August 1st and actually have production starting in the middle of September. And if something goes wrong, like this last year was hot for so late, 
the plants will still be okay and they'll start to grow larger and be ready to go for you once we get the break in the temperature. So you, August 1st may not be too bad of a time to look at putting down new seed. Yeah, uh, all the resources that go into keeping those spring plants alive during the brutal oversummering can be used uh, more efficiently in, in starting a new crop. Is uh, That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, and, and peppers grow fairly quickly. So I don't know if I would bet the house on it one year. Just go out there and take everything out and go and plant new seed. I would look at maybe half just to see you got to kind of figure out what's the proper time to plant, uh, when the existing ones start producing again, will the new plants be producing also at that time? You know, there are things they have to balance out here. And you plant so many, I don't know if I would bet everything on doing that, like pulling all the plants at the end of summer and putting in seed, but I might try enough of them to see which one wins the battle. Well, that's really good advice, Jeff, and and thanks for taking my call and and, uh, answering my question. Sure, I appreciate it, James. Thanks for calling in. Folks, one of the things that James does that you may not do, I'm betting you don't, you heard how long his pepper house is. 12 feet wide and, what do you say, 60 feet long? James is a production grower. He's not just this little farmer's market or I'm trying to get some so I can can and have them in the summer. He's a a big grower, and these are things that you may never encounter, but he kind of works out the bugs for us. He discovers things. He's dealing with different varieties, different treatments, and that is things that we get to use. It's like the race cars. The Formula One cars use all kinds of technology that, you know what, I don't have in my 2013 Honda. But we learn from those kind of things, and that trickles back down. The big growers find out tricks and do things, and when they get something worthwhile, they pass it down to us, and we can use it. That keeps us learning all kinds of new things, and improving our harvest every year. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. i got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um... This is a good question. I'm going to try this myself. I've read a couple of things that said that they can still turn red. I've got to go out and pick the tomatoes that are on my plants because once they freeze, they won't be any good. And I've 
got quite a few tomatoes. I'm going to bring them in and let them try to turn red in the house. Well, I also have some big, beautiful bell peppers, some really nice specimens. And they're supposed to turn red, and they're not yet. So I'm going to pick them, and I'm going to try to see what happens when I bring them in. Some material I've read said that the peppers will still turn red off the vine. Now, I, I haven't really seen that. And, you know... Haven't got a lot of information to back that up with, but I'm going to try it. The peppers are still edible. They're not as sweet as they could be because they're still green, but they'll taste like peppers. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick before the freeze and I'm going to bring them in. If they freeze on the vine, they, they won't be edible. So I'm going to pick before we get to that freeze, and I'm going to bring stuff in and hope for the best. I'll let you know if over time the peppers turn red like they're supposed to. I know the tomatoes will, but not guaranteed on the... Uh, peppers. Let's go to the phone. This is Brett. Brett, what can I help you with? Hey, good morning. So I have a, a 35 foot tall or so red oak in the backyard and we've been in the house 10 years and every fall turns beautiful red leaves and then they drop. And this, this fall we've had leaves dropping, uh, but they're brown mostly. And I uh, just was noticing the tops of the tree turning some color, but they're more brown than red, so I'm wondering if that's something I should be concerned about. Nope. The tree is going to turn the color based on the environment it went through. For example, I have got magnificent crepe myrtles. My whole neighborhood, they look like they're on fire. They're so red-leafed. I also have a uh, pear tree that normally gives me this gorgeous color every year. Just really pretty. And this year it hasn't. It just provided brown leaves that have been falling off. So it's kind of whatever the environment that the tree was exposed to determines how the colors are going to go. And we really don't know what's the perfect environment to get the perfect color. So your tree may be showing some of the stress of what a terrible summer it was, but the fact that it's not turning color or consistent color, that in itself is not a bad thing. It's an unfortunate thing because you're used to it and you want that appearance. This year it's just not it's just not following through for you. Okay, well, good. I was hoping you'd say something like that. I'll take the occasional less than colorful fall as long as the tree stays healthy. Exactly, exactly. I've got one. Uh, I've got a chinkapin. It looks magnificent in terms of shape, canopy. Everything looks good. 
but I didn't get any color out of it. None. And normally it will put on a nice yellow glow. Nope. All brown and they're starting to fall off. So this was yeah. just a unfortunate year. And then thank you for that. And then a related question I have um an escarpment oak in the front yard and a different and then a different type of live oak in the front yard and several in the backyard. And um I think now is a good time to we had some we did some pruning ourselves over this uh, earlier this year, and since then we've got those little sucker, I call them suckers, sprouting from all the the, the main branches. Um, is now okay time to, to clip those off as well? Yes, it is. Um, those trees don't quote go dormant like others will, where they'll drop all their leaves and be kind of behind growth patterns. So you can trim those. Just remember the rules. Clean, sharp tool. And uh, yeah, you can trim those up as they go. Okay. All right. That's what I needed. Thank you very much. And I appreciate the show. Thanks for the call, Brett. Yeah, folks, we, we need to remember this. We need to remember this. This is when we prune oak trees. This is the period of time when you do so. You paint the wounds on oak trees. So if you cut a branch off, that little stub you left, properly trimmed as it should be, you make the cut and you squirt it with paint. You do not need that black nasty tar stuff. That is not at all necessary. Regular paint will put a coating over the open wound and the idea is to prevent the oak wilt spores from landing on the plant and getting into it. So it's you clean your tools, you make sure they're sharp. You make the cut and you immediately squirt paint on it. That will seal it. If you already did this, if you trimmed your trees and you did not paint the wound, right? Now, remember, oak trees are the only ones we need to paint. If you, do, if you did not paint the wounds after you cut the tree and it's been more than about 72 hours, for example, you did it last weekend and didn't spray paint them. It does you no good to do it now. When you make a cut on the tree, the tree will produce sap. The sap will flow out of the wound and it will dry. It produces its own natural preventive barrier. And it takes about three days for it to do that well. If you made the cuts and it's been more than three days, if it's been a week, if it was last weekend you cut it, don't go out there now and squirt paint on it. It's not worth the trouble. The tree has protected itself. We do it 
because we can cover that wound faster than the tree can by putting paint on it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the top of the hour. We'll break for the news. I'm going to catch you all on the other side.